This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Miles Danhausen Jr., writer and editor of the Peninsula Pulse. And today I'm joined by Andy Gilt, the executive director of the Ridges Sanctuary right down the road from our offices here. Andy, thanks for hopping on the podcast with me. Thanks for having me. Good morning. For all our listeners, something I've been bouncing back and forth with Andy for a few weeks now is just getting him in here to talk a little bit about everything that's happened on, at the Ridges over the last several years. He's been in the job for about a year now. So just getting the, the lay of the land as, as now that it takes about a year to settle into any position like that and just see what's ahead for the Ridges Sanctuary. It's just uh, a really cool organization. And for those who don't know what it is, Andy, why don't you just start by Given your elevator speech, what is the Ridges Sanctuary? Sure. So the Ridges Sanctuary is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. And, you know, one of the the feathers in our cap is we're actually Wisconsin's first land trust. And that's kind of a something that needs to come with a disclaimer because we don't really operate like your traditional land trust. We mm-hmm. do a lot more than, than that. <laughs> um, and, and we're not necessarily in the game of, of setting up conservation easements or maybe going after land acquisitions quite aggressively as some land trusts are. But we do have 1,600 acres now, and, and so we kind of have like a three-tenant mission statement, and that's land preservation. And so we're, we are acquiring some land, and, and through the years, we've built that up to about 1,600 acres. We also do education, so a lot of early childhood education. We have a in-house dragonfly nature preschool and a partnership with the Gibraltar School District and also a lot of adult education. And then the third tenant would be research. Um, We do quite a bit of work in orchid restoration project and do a lot of research on uh, North American native orchids. We have 29 on our property, so it's a it's a pretty remarkable thing, and and something that I think a lot of people don't know. You know, you drive mm-hmm. right by the the ridges, and that's home to 29 different native orchids. Yeah, and for those who don't know, it's also a place where if you work at the Pulse, you generally go on walks, <laughs> and you, that's where you where you get your phone calls in, and you'll see Dave Elliott pacing through the ridges all the time. Yep. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Down Ridges see, Road, right on the spur. We try not to interrupt people out in the boardwalk. But. Yeah. Yeah. We see a lot of we see a lot of locals. I mean, it's it's just a nice place to get into the woods. The the Hiddenbrook Boardwalk is is just such a beautiful place, and it's easy. It's it's accessible. Everybody can get out there. So. Yeah, we, you know, we're, we're a place for the community to, to gather, you know, and, and, and appreciate the outdoors. And I think that's something that everybody really uh, put a lot of emphasis on during the pandemic. And it's, it's kind of, you know, put some fresh air in our, in our sales. I was going to say, did the pandemic, did you guys see usage and visitorship to your trails and your boardwalk system skyrocket like everyone else? Yeah, yeah, there was definitely an increase. And, and we were fortunate that we had some volunteer kind of like trail hike ambassadors that were out there kind of given the the do's and don'ts and, and where yeah. to, you know, because it's a sensitive ecosystem. So you can't just be out there, you know, with your dog tearing around. And, and it, there's a lot of, you know, things that need to be protected on because it's such a sensitive ecosystem. But yeah, we saw we saw numbers just really, really skyrocket. And, you know, it's, it's, I think the trend that everybody kind of, you know, if you went through Peninsula State Park, it was, you know, the, the roads were chock full of people. Have you at the Ridges found that you've been able to capitalize on that in any sort of way? You know, like you have all this, there's some degree where 
there are drawbacks. Like you said, you needed people to guide mm-hmm. people on how to use that space and how to be sensitive to the natural environment there. You know, some of the state parks and some of the national parks were overrun to the degree that, you know, people are just dumping trash and being mm-hmm. disrespectful. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, there's opportunities to then hopefully introduce those people and make them donors, make them volunteers, make them contributors and people who would care about it long-term, not just when they have this need to be outside. So how did you capitalize or have you been able to capitalize on that? Yeah, we absolutely capitalized on that. I, I think, you know, despite being in uncharted waters of, you know, what's going on with the pandemic, our fundraising was really strong. Our membership was really strong. And I think what, what ended up happening is there were so many people that, you know, were, were visiting state parks and they were seeing in southern Wisconsin, they were actually closing parks, you know. And so I think people started to, to realize that maybe they'd been taking for granted what the Ridges was and what we provide for the community. And so I think, you know, people started to kind of pay that forward. Our trail kiosk where people can put in their trail fees or make a donation, we saw a pretty significant uptick in, in the amount of money that was going into those kiosks. And um, we were getting donations online and, and the engagement was really strong. So, you know, I, I think that over the last couple of years, there there was just a renewed appreciation for, for what the Ridges is. Um, yeah. And what followed was more members, uh, more volunteers, and, you know, despite it being a challenging time with it, donations were still rolling in. So how many members do you have? Over a thousand. I want to say right now we're about, about 1600. Wow. Yeah. And that, you know, what's, what's really cool about that is we have some members that after a year, maybe let it lapse, or we have some lifetime members and we have members kind of, I, I want to say we, we pulled some data the other day. And I think it was, if not every single state, it was like 48 or 49 <laughs> of the state. So what ends up happening is we get a lot of people that come here vacationing from out of town. And instead of just doing the trail pass for, you know, a $5 trail pass, they'll just buy a membership. Sure. Um, they, they go out there and they have a good time and they see the purpose of what we're doing. And their donation comes in the form of a membership oftentimes. And, you know, then we try to get them to renew that and come <laughs> back and see us again. So, well, you know, just backtracking a little bit, you've been in the, in the position almost a year now. Tell us what your background is and what brought you to the bridges? Sure. Well, I was born October 20th. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I, I think it, for me, my whole kind of journey begins at the University of Wisconsin. I got involved in state politics. I worked in the legislature for about uh, about four or five years and I loved it. But I think as, as a lot of people recognize, you get to a point where you either got to really sell yourself out for it or it's time to get out. And I decided to move on. Went down to Austin, Texas, and I eventually became the executive director of a park conservancy down there okay. um, for about for about four years again. And I just absolutely loved it because it's kind of that side of politics that I enjoy that's, you know, protecting our natural resources and community engagement and, and, and being this publicly accessible place. That's important to me. It's something I grew up with. And what is so, a park conservancy? So it... It's like a friends group. It's okay. a it's it's a nonprofit that supports a given area. You know, you may have like the Friends of Peninsula State Park, okay. and, and they exist so that they can raise private dollars. People would rather make a donation to a nonprofit than to a government, right? Um, because that's just paying your taxes, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and so I, you know, I did that down in Austin, and then my wife and I got married and and decided it was time for us to move back to Wisconsin and. Uh, we ended up in Door County and my wife opened a restaurant and I 
you know, I helped her. It was gonna, it was kind of originally. You can planned. name the restaurant. It's not a shameless plug. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Heirloom Cafe. Yeah, Cafe right up the road here. Right up the, the road, yep. The old, the old brewery. It's, uh, I'm pretty fortunate. I get to walk up there every single day for, for <laughs> breakfast. Well, days that are open for breakfast and lunch. And so I, I worked there for, I don't know, I'd say about three years, I think it was three seasons. And I really enjoyed it. It was the first time I'd worked in, in the service industry and I learned a lot. And I think what was great about it was I was new to Door County. I didn't, I didn't really know anybody. My wife's family has a history in Door County, but I, I really don't at all. And so I got to meet so many people through the cafe. Sure. You know, a lot of them have become friends or I got, you know, hooked up with other nonprofits or just learned a lot about the community through that. But um, that's your social advice for anybody new to the county. Is right. Open a restaurant, open that's a restaurant or, easy go, way or just go, <laughs> yeah, go work at one. Everybody should work at a restaurant. That's my advice. They Everybody should. should work at a restaurant. Right. It, it I actually think like that person. should be a requirement for being a legislator. Like yeah. you have to at least spend six months behind a bar or behind a, a coffee bar or something. Mm -hmm. Because it forces you to, especially in a small town, not in a city necessarily, because in a small town, a bar has to cater to everybody. Whereas right. in a city, a bar can be, we're just a dive bar or we're right. just a 21-year-old partier. Right. But in a small town, you have to meet everybody yep. if you're sitting in a yep. restaurant or serving. And I think our, our state representatives would all be a lot better if they had to do that and just see what everyone's life is every day. Yeah. Yeah. You want to catch the pulse of a, of a community. You, that's where you find it, right. Yeah. Is in, in the bars and the restaurants and it's where you hear about everything. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it, but I didn't get my degree to be a full-time barista. <laughs> um, again, I loved it. It was a ton of fun and I, you know, I, there's, there's a lot of days I miss it, but, uh, it was time for me to kind of get back into my career and an opportunity arose at the Ridges and I had a little bit of a history with the Ridges. I was on the board for a while. And then my wife and I at Heirloom oftentimes sponsored events at the Ridges. And so I, you know, built up a rapport with the staff there and just had a lot of admiration for the work that they did. And there was some changes in staff leadership there and, and an opportunity arose. And um, I was telling you earlier, we were actually on a on a long road trip out west, and I was actually getting ready to to come back to Door County and work part time for the DNR. Oh wow! Yeah, it was it was time. My wife and I had really, you know, we we really realized that it was it was time for us to not both be working full time at the cafe. Yeah, um, and I say that it you know it's hard working with your spouse. <laughs> um, I learned a lot, and I think we're stronger for it. And I think we probably did about as good as it could be. But it was just time for us to spend some you know kind of do our do our own things. And so I was getting ready to go back to the DNR, and this opportunity arose, and it was this for me is kind of a dream job. You know, it, yeah. it kind of checks every single box for me. And and when I first moved up here. I had a lot of admiration for the Ridges Sanctuary and the Door County Land Trust and the work that they do up here. And it, I mean, their reach is, is far. Yeah. And we're super fortunate to live in this community and have organizations like that, that are protecting land and have programming and, and making it publicly accessible. And so, you know, when the opportunity arose, it was like a no brainer for me. And so I started in early May and it's, it's almost been a year and I have absolutely no regrets. I, I think I love the organization more now than, than I did, you know, before I started full-time as a staff member. And so, you know, it's, it's just an awesome place to be. And I feel super fortunate to be there. Well, the Ridge has been around about 80 years, and 85, 85. Yeah. And you know, that the people involved in the Ridges, the people who care about the Ridges care as much about that organization as anybody cares about any organization. Like they're, the roots are so deep 
and it comes from the generations mm-hmm. and the connections that people have. But some of your volunteers have just like almost put their lives into that property. So there's this real sense of ownership, mm-hmm. which is an incredible blessing to have. But also, you know, as an organization evolves, it makes it hard to be like, all right, now we're going to become something different. And right. the Bridges definitely has over the last 10 years. I remember it was actually at the the depths of the recession back in like 2008, 2009, 2010, somewhere in there, I distinctly remember going over and walking the grounds with Steve Leonard before they built the Nature Center, and they had bought the Sandpiper property. Mm-hmm. It used to be, for those who, a lot of our listeners probably remember this, but the Sandpiper was that classic diner, fish boil, great huge breakfast plates on the corner where the Ridges Nature Center now stands. And they had just bought that property, and Steve was walking me through. He goes, we want to build this boardwalk. We envisioned this nature center, and people would be able to come to this center place and then be an entryway to the grounds. And we could get more people to, to come here and, and know what we're doing and be a bigger part of the community. And I'm just thinking, yeah, the pessimist in me is looking at this like, uh, the economy has crashed. How are you <laughs> going to raise money for this? But it was a real lesson in that, A, they just believed in it and, and believed in what they could do. But the tentacles of the ridges were so strong that I think one of the major donors was somebody who had come there 50 years or 60 years earlier and had been so moved by their experience, uh, I think, with with Albert Fuller there, that they donated a huge chunk of money Mm -hmm. to make this thing happen. And then other donors came forward. And, you know, four or five years later, you're building that incredible building there. It's just remarkable history and, and what that being true to yourself as an organization does. But then that brings a lot more visitors. So kind of like... That's my long way of getting to my question here for you. <laughs> but just because I love that that story of how it even happened. But that transition made the ridges different than it used to be. Right. So what is, I guess, how do you navigate that? How do you navigate that that concern for the, what you call like kind of that fragile ecosystem mm-hmm. to also welcoming more people and trying to get more people to appreciate it? Right. Yeah. And, you know, that is that is our responsibility, right, is to grow people's appreciation so that they are sensitive and they're thoughtful when they're out there and and don't just treat it like any old, you know, county park or state park where you can kind of trance around anywhere and do whatever you want. I mean, it mm-hmm. is a very, very fragile ecosystem and it's why it was protected in the first place. I mean, I, I love that story that you just told about the Nature Center and there's a lot of similarities to how the ridges even came to be about in 1937 with Albert Fuller coming up from UWM and basically creating this group that formed the ridges sanctuary to save that property because it was going to be a campground, a trailer park, basically. It was all going to be developed and and he put an end to that. And so along the way, you've got- Remarkable to think about too. Right. the, Right. The fact that, you know, just the right people existed and mm-hmm. cared at the right time. Right. Or that could have been, you know, the ridges, which is a big part of this community, mm-hmm. the county, let alone Bailey's Harbor, could just be a campground on the corner. Nothing right. against campgrounds, but like, just think of that little right. moment in time. If Emma Toff doesn't exist, if mm-hmm. Albert Fuller, if Jens Jensen isn't here in that moment, what happens? Right. You know? Right. Yeah, I know. And it and it's humbling to be a part of an organization that you look at the names that have come through and been influential at the ridges. And it's like, you kind of have to hold your breath and just think like, geez, Louise, like there's a lot of responsibility to uphold the integrity of the work that they've done. But it's become such a cultural thing there. It's, you know, it's embedded in our in our board of directors and our volunteers and our staff and our membership now, too. I mean, I think people are really understanding the history and, and how sensitive that history was. 
And I think it, it is, and, and this is kind of getting to your question is the, the balance of like meeting current needs and demands and, and the changes of just this modern world that we live in, along with this history that we absolutely cannot forget. I mean, we haven't even talked about the range lights and the range lights are the <laughs> yeah. whole reason that the ridges exist. And so like, how do you preserve the history and share the history and make it accessible for people to go out there and learn the history? And you're trying to weave that so carefully so that they appreciate it in the right way that they want to continue to protect it. And, and that's really the goal, right, is to get people to buy into what you're doing so that they become a member and a, and a supporter and a donor or a volunteer or do something to further the mission. And then by doing that, they, they learn more and, and they just become better stewards, right. not just at the ridges, but everywhere they go. You know, you talk about the range lights, and I think of, I'm remiss to not mention Roy Lucas earlier mm-hmm. in like, the guy lived in the range line. <laughs> right. <laughs> and yeah. his his journals of that time and his recollections from that time of just living on that property and just the connection he had to that property too of just every morning waking up in this incredibly fragile ecosystem and exploring the plant life and exploring mm-hmm. the and, and seeing the animals and the birds and everything there. His recollections are just amazing. So you you mentioned the range lights and you guys have a big project going on right now with the range lights that improves accessibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we are fortunate to be able to replace the boardwalk between the upper and lower range light. Which has been falling apart. Right. Right. Mildly. Right. Yes. Yeah. And this needed to happen, right? Like the, the existing boardwalk is four foot wide and it's a little uneven in some places. A couple of the boards, you know, maybe make a little squeaky noise. There's no tow rail. So we were fortunate to have a local family here. The Farrell family stepped up and, and made a donation to be able to replace that boardwalk. And one of the reasons for that was to improve accessibility. Richard Farrell, who, who's no longer with us, and, and the gift was made in, in his honor, used to come out to the ridges and he would love to walk on the Hiddenbrook boardwalk, just love to be able to be out in nature, but then would get to the range light boardwalk and would stop and, and have to turn around because there's no tow rails, it's four foot wide, it's not very comfortable. And, you know, one of the things that we've found as being a priority for us is making a lot of what we offer accessible for everybody. And, mm-hmm. and that includes, you know, walkers, wheelchairs, seeing impaired, you know, in any reason that there would be a limitation to being outside, we want to be able to get those people outside and experiencing nature. Actually, just quick tangent, because it's one of like my absolute favorite stories is there was a person who had had come out and been on the boardwalk and then came back to the nature center and told us how thankful they were because they thought that they would never be able to be in nature again. Hmm. Um, So it's just, it's, it's so cool to, you know, those one, one off stories are just, you know, it's, reminds you why you do it. But right. so what we'll be doing is replacing the range light boardwalk between the upper and lower range lights with a six foot wide boardwalk. Mm. And that six foot wide boardwalk will meet ADA accessibility standards to allow, I, you need 60 inches for wheelchairs to be able to pass both ways. Okay. We're building it at 72, but we put a tow rail on each side also. So okay. it ends up coming down to about 64, but it'll, it'll make a lot of uh, improvements for accessibility so that people can go between the upper and lower range light. And that's such a, a popular part of, of what we do at the ridges, that corridor, actually the, the Door County trolleys come and they drop off at one side. People walk the whole length and then they get picked up at the other side. 
well, you know, if, if you're in a wheelchair, you weren't able really to do that comfortably. Yeah. And, and, and now you will be able to. So we're super excited for that project. And it, you guys are seeking volunteers to help with that too? Yep. Yep. That'll be a, a volunteer-led project. Hiddenbrook was was also largely volunteer-led, but we also had some really great help from Pile Construction. Okay. And we learned a lot from Pile Construction when we did that boardwalk. And so this boardwalk, we're going to do with our volunteer base. Okay. Um, we've got some amazing leaders leading up that task. And we're looking for more volunteers. And so um, that's a cool op- opportunity. Yeah, it's some heavy lifting and stuff, but you're doing it out in nature. Right. <laughs> it's a pretty right. cool opportunity. Right. And what I'll tell you is there is some heavy lifting, but there's also a lot of other projects that we can find. So any skill set, any experience, sure, you may just, you know, want to fill up water bottles and, you know, pat people on the back if that's what you want to do. I mean, we'll, we'll take all volunteers, but yeah, so we're looking for volunteers to help us with that. I think we're hoping lumber is maybe delivered next week. We're having a little bit of a challenge with accessibility to our back parking lot with those big, heavy trucks to unload the lumber because of how wet it's been. But the goal would be to start. Has it been um, wet? I didn't notice. Has there been any rain? Well, (laughs) there's been snow. Yeah. Yeah, There was snow this morning. It is, for those who haven't been up here, this spring has been very gray and very rainy, very snowy, and then it melts. And there has been almost, it's like I come in, I live in Sister Bay, I drive down 57 or down County Q to Bailey's Harbor every day. And it's just a river through yeah. the ditches right now and yeah. everything is flooded. So it, yeah. it's it's a, a little tough for yeah. a big truck, I would yeah. say. So hopefully the lumber gets here and, and it doesn't do too much damage to our back parking lot, but we'll get that unloaded. And then the project will be pretty interesting in, in that we'll do a small demolition section and then rebuild that. And then we'll work. So we're kind of do that piece by piece so that there's not a huge disruption to the flow of pedestrians being able to walk through that sure. area. So we'll have some, some days that the boardwalk is closed and there'll be detours, but you know, it, it'll work out well. And, and by the end of the project, it's going to be a huge enhancement for that corridor. Yeah, that'll be great. I mean, obviously in a community where so much of our population is older, uh, Door County's mm-hmm. population leans especially Northern Door, towards some of the oldest in the state. And I just experienced this a lot over the last decade with my own parents Mm -hmm. going in. The Ridges has been a great place. And for my mom in her last years to, she was tough. So we'd still go hike in the park and stuff. But Mm -hmm. as she got a little more unsteady walking, it was great to go to the Ridges and you could just go down that boardwalk and get outside, get in nature. And then especially during COVID, have an opportunity to do that. And some of my favorite pictures of my mom are just out on that boardwalk. And you think of... I think Door County's gotten so much better at that over the last decade, maybe, of having those options. I know Egg Harbor now has a way where if you're in a wheelchair, their path at the beach actually allows you to take a wheelchair right down to the water, and that person can put their feet in the water. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the tower in Peninsula State Park, there's so many things that we've done that have taken more needs and more users into account. But, yeah, I mean, so to think of the experiences that you're allowing somebody to get that – it will mean more to them than it does to, to guys like you and I who are 43 and, you know, relatively able-bodied in yeah. my case. Um, <laughs> feeling it. More I'm only more. 35 miles. Oh, my God. <laughs> Rub it in. And, but everything we can do to, you know, if you can do a small thing to give someone a much better experience, that's great. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a balance, right? Like we still have really rugged trails that are yeah. meant to be really rugged trails that aren't as accessible for, you know, maybe people going to have that more rugged experience, but it's a balance, right? And, and I think, you know, I initially, when I saw the tower over in Peninsula State Park, I had to scratch my head and think, oh man, I'm not really sure that that looks right, or that's the best use. And then it got built and I see everybody out there and 
kids running up and down it and, and, you know, everybody's able to access that tower. And then, you know, I find myself liking to, to, cause you're kind of walking through the trees. It's kind yeah. of a different experience. So yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a balance, but it's something that, you know, I get a lot of enjoyment out of being outdoors. I think it's really, really great for my mental health. Why yeah. would I want to deprive that for somebody else? Right. You know? And so you just, yeah, you got to find that balance and, Boy, I'll, you know, when, when you hear those stories, like the person who said they never thought they'd be able to be out in nature, or the stories you were just telling about your mother, I mean, that just makes me so happy that, that right. someone has that experience. This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job in Door County with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kewanee counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org careers. So what else? So you got the Boardwalk Project coming in. Are there any like big events or other big projects underway at the Ridges right now that you want to talk about? Yeah. Well, one of the events that I'm most excited about, and I just kind of have had the the luck of stepping into this role as the executive director with an amazing staff. I mean, that's one thing that has been the, uh, it's it's been like the best gift of working there is being able to work with that staff. And, and we're going on our 20th year now of the Festival of Nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's an event that, you know, everybody has a hand in, but but Katie Krause just does, I mean, she just does an amazing job of planning that event. And it's seamless and it's it's grown into this event that people, you know, plan their trips around and look forward to. And so what are some of the things that people do at the Festival of Nature for people who have no idea? Yeah. So it kicks off Memorial Day weekend and Memorial Day weekend. There's, you know, there's kind of a celebration. I think it's on the 26th. We'll have a, kind of an art gallery experience. We've got a actually a weaver and a scientific illustrator, two women who are going to be doing an art show at the Nature Center. And so we'll kind of be showing some art there. And then on the 27th, we have a dinner over at About Times, uh, About Time Farm. And John Bates, who's an author, will be kind of the keynote speaker at that. And then from there, we have 65 field trips that are planned between Memorial Day weekend. And I think the last one winds up in, I believe it's in August. And so there's a whole host of different field trips. It can be you know, there's a lot of them that happen that Memorial Day weekend. It yeah. used to just be over a weekend and then COVID happened and it spread everything out. And I think Katie reviewed how that how that worked and, and kind of liked that concept hmm. of being able to provide field trips and adult programming throughout the whole summer as a part of Festival of Nature. Instead of just cramming it all in. Right. Right. So our festival lasts for a few months, which is great. And it's just a whole variety of different field trip opportunities. There's anything from wildflower hikes down at Logan Creek with some of our naturalists to getting on a boat and going out to some of the islands. It's just a really wide variety of different opportunities. And, And we've got presenters or hike leaders that are either, you know, regular volunteers of ours, our staff of ours, or our people that, you know, they... That's what they do just maybe once or twice a year is they host these field trips for us. You know, it's, it's, it's anything from, you know, kayaking Logan Creek and being down at Clark's Lake, 
to, you know, doing some specialty hikes at, up at the ridges and, and either learning about the range lights or um, I believe we've got a couple field trips where, we'll, where they'll be going in depth in, into our orchid restoration project. And so just a lot of really great opportunities to, you know, understand what, what the ridges is about or just what sort of nature is happening up here. Charlotte leads a couple hikes. And so it's, it's a really great opportunity to That's Charlotte to, to Lucas, a, yep, who yep. writes our door to nature column for years, worked on that with her husband, Roy, until mm-hmm. he passed away a few years ago. So keeping yeah. the tradition going. Yeah. Yeah. She just did a, a bluebird presentation for us. And, you know, it's just anytime you get an opportunity to read something that she's written or hear her speak, it's like, yeah, you got to stop and, and give it the time because you'll <laughs> You're learn, gonna learn something. something. You're going <laughs> to learn something. Right. I mean, that actually was, it was kind of unique when I first my wife and I first started talking about moving up here, I was like, well, I better, you know, I better get to know Door County a little bit. And so I was introduced through the Pulse actually. And I would read her and Roy's articles in the Pulse. And I was like, man, these, this is great. Like we've got these amazing stewards and educators that are, you know, it was like one week I was learning about different mushrooms. And then (laughs) the next week it was about, you know, the, the migratory birds. And it's a really, a really, really, great resource. I mean, if you just look at that archive, you can learn a lot it, about it Door County. It is really amazing. And I, I still will shoot stuff by Charlotte. And I used to shoot stuff by Roy because I'm, I'm always the guy who drives around like, oh, I wonder why that is, which is probably why I'm a journalist. But like, <laughs> and I'd, I'd be like, why are all those trees dying? And I'd send it to Roy and Roy'd be like, well, here's what kind of tree that mm-hmm. is. Here's the lifespan. Here's what's probably happening with the water. And I was like, wow, I didn't expect you to know exact, like within minutes, yeah, knows exactly what it is. Or he might be like, I remember when those were planted <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and it's just such a cool resource and he documented it all. And then right. Charlotte has helped him document so much of it. And so we have this kind of ecological history right. of so much of the County, which is, I mean, how many small towns have that sort of resource? And we have multiple people like that right. in our history. It's, right. it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there's a whole host of people that are, that are doing that too. You know, we've got one of the volunteers that we work with Jane Whitney is I mean, she's kind of the same type of resource for me that, that you maybe huh. had with Roy. It's like, anytime I have a question, it's shoot that off to Jane. Cause she'll know. And if she doesn't know, she'll find out for you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we're just, we're really fortunate to have a lot of great minds associated with, with the ridges. I think last week for our, the cover of the pulse was this Hawk mm-hmm. that had actually come in our backyard here at the pulse. We get really lucky here. We're right on the water and you know, some days we'll have an eagle in the backyard or we've had snowy owls hang out there for like a week. And then this hawk showed up and we got this picture of it, but I didn't know what kind it was. And I still don't know, but like I'm calling Rob Holtz down at the open door bird sanctuary and like to have someone like that in our backyard and say, well, that's either a Sharpshin or a Cooper's hawk. And you know, we have a lot of those people, Kathleen Harris for years at Mm -hmm. Peninsula state park, just such a deep knowledge base for a small town. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about from the ridges coming up this summer? And we shouldn't even, shouldn't say like, I don't want to want to frame the ridges as like, you can only go here in the summer because obviously it's open year round. The trails yeah. are open year round. It's actually incredibly beautiful in the, the winter. Um, this time of year, it's a little, yeah, it's <laughs> a little, a little wet. Yeah, it's a little um, wet. But uh, the Nature Center is an amazing resource too. Uh, if, if people haven't stopped in there and actually been in the building, the display and everything that you guys have in there is, is really like I grew up with museums up here, basically being a museum with like some, or like a room with pictures on the wall mm-hmm. and stuff. But now there's both the maritime museum and what you guys yeah. have done at the ridges, really having some interactive stuff for kids to use mm-hmm. has been great. 
Yeah, yeah. We've got some good exhibits. Uh, you know, you can get a good history of the ridges and an understanding of the geology and the ecology out there just by being in our nature center. You could also join up on any of our guided hikes. We are temporarily on a little bit of a break until May. And then once May rolls around, we'll be doing those six days a week. Okay. And so, you know, if you, if you want a good crash course in the, the ridges with someone who really knows the history and the ecology, I'd really encourage people to, to, to join up one of those guided hikes with one of our naturalists. It'll be, it'll be time really well spent and you get a great, you know, you get a great understanding of what's out there. And then I also got to put a plug in for our nature store, which I think is something that has done great things for the organization. Linda Sandusky, who's on our staff, has done a just a phenomenal job of getting that nature store full of amazing books and resources and working with a lot of local vendors to get stuff in there and, and, you know, really kind of having this theme of sustainability. And, you know, it's, it's to the point now that this nature store is like, it's its own operation. It's, it's pretty <laughs> remarkable. And so, yeah, if you're ever looking for a, you know, any good books or puzzles or gifts, I can tell you that my nieces and nephews have been spoiled with <laughs> nature related gifts. Cause I'm, I'm not really good at buying gifts on time kind of have to scramble last minute. And so I always find myself down in the nature store, you know, buying gifts for, for my nieces and my nephews and sometimes my wife. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I didn't forget. I just grabbed this on my way out of work. She's like, why do you keep getting me stuff from the ridges? (laughs) Maybe branch out, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah. yeah. Um, You know, one other thing I wanted to talk about before Mm -hmm. I I let you go this morning is you're also involved with Horseshoe Bay Farms. And I was also somewhat involved as a kind of the planning stages were going mm-hmm. on there for that nonprofit and obviously still very early in the game for that. But I just wanted to touch on some of the things going on mm-hmm. with Horseshoe Bay Farms and you have a incredible artist coming up here this right. summer, correct? Yeah, we do. And Horseshoe Bay Farms is, for anybody who's not familiar, is in Egg Harbor. It's right over by Murphy Park, you know, down at the bottom of the bluff. It, it's just such a beautiful historic site. There's an amazing history that's attached to Horseshoe Bay Farms, and yeah, you're correct. We did a we did a master plan. I guess that would have been this is three I, years three years ago, yeah. and it concluded right when COVID was really really kind of wreaking havoc, and yeah. so we didn't get to have kind of that grand rollout of of the master plan. Tell me about it. As um, a as a member of the board at Right On, we opened a building right. in the middle of COVID. It's not a great way to use a building right. when people can't be in it. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And so that kind of got put on pause, but we were able to, we now have a full-time staff member down there, Drew Richmond, who's yep. just doing amazing. We're super lucky to have him. And you know, you're, you're starting to be able to see some of that stuff play out on the site, you know, the, the gardens and the dahlias and the buildings are, you know, all are cleaned up and look nice. And the tour of the property, we've had a lot of advances from when we first began, (laughs) but yeah, you mentioned Patrick Doherty. So Patrick Doherty is the artist behind stick work and uh, stick work is this really cool art installation where he comes in and he basically weaves these structures out of tree saplings. And it's, it's really a unique experience for people to be able to see. I was actually fortunate to work with him down in Austin and, and that okay. was kind of where that connection happened. He did an installation at the park that I was uh, working at and it just got such great reviews and we got so many new people coming out to the site that we thought, boy, like we've got this perfect community for an art installation and we're trying to get more people to be engaged with Horseshoe Bay Farms and understand that they're welcome to visit and, and understand the history. And we've got 
you know, we've got a lot of plans for Horseshoe Bay Farms and they're not going to happen right out of the gate, but we got to start building that momentum. And this is going to be one of the ways that we can, can build some momentum. And so, and his, I mean, these are, these are not tiny things. These are massive. And what do you call them? Do you call them structures? (laughs) Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, I, I, I call them structures, I guess, you know, what he does is he, he puts in kind of these structural pieces and then weaves around them. I mean, they're like, I don't know, I guess for, if I'm trying to explain this to a listener, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like a, it's like a playground size woven basket, if okay. you will. Um, and, and everyone's different and it's unique. So he's done some that have been attached to the side of buildings. He's done some that look like an animal. The one that he did in Austin was really cool. It was kind of these oblong structures that you could had windows that you could, you know, kind of walk through and run through and kids loved it. And so he came up in January and he visited the site and, you know, we took him out to the farm and we told him the history of the farm. And then he goes back and he develops different ideas and concepts Hmm. for what he does. I think most people know you don't tell an artist what they're supposed (laughs) to do. So we were very careful not to do that. Yeah. And and we just trust, you know, what he'll want to do. So we don't know what, where exactly it'll be located and we don't know what exactly it'll look like, but I know that it'll be, it'll be awesome. Do we know when people can it'll check be it out? In June. Yeah, it'll <laughs> okay. be June of this year. And, and we'll be looking for volunteers for that also. And okay. so we'll need some help harvesting the saplings. We got a couple sites to do that. And, and we do that in a sustainable way. A lot of times people hear about this project and they go, oh, you're cutting all these trees down. Well, we're either removing invasive species to use or we're clearing an area out that's maybe overgrown of a certain species. So we're not just going into a certain site and cutting down a whole bunch of trees to use for an art installation. So I always have to give that disclaimer because it's done in a, in a, in a sustainable and conscious sort of way, <laughs> but it is really fun. So you, you cut those down, you cut the saplings down, you trim off the leaves and, and then you can help Patrick weave them into the, to the masterpiece that it'll be. And, it'll last for all of June. So all of June, they'll be doing the installation. And then that installation usually stays up for about two to three years. And we'll, yeah, we'll have open hours for people to come out and, you know, and enjoy it and probably some grand opening of some sort, maybe an event related to the opening. And And so um, what this will do for Horseshoe Bay is, I mean, anything to get people on the site, right? right, And experience the site. And then also weaving arts and culture into what is going on at Horseshoe Bay. Right. I, people who listen to this podcast, I always had an attachment to that farm and, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's part of my childhood and I just think it's just this incredible, beautiful space. So it's great that it's being saved and if it can, any way to breathe more life into it is a great opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. One of our biggest challenges is, is just getting it on the map, right? Like I think a lot of times people hear Horseshoe Bay and they think of the golf club or yeah. they remember the, the barns, but they've only driven by the barns because they didn't know if they could go on to the site right. or not. And so... It's just one of those, it's, we're fortunate that these barns have been preserved and the stories that go along with all of those barns and the amazing history that Horseshoe Bay Farms had for not only the Egg Harbor area, but all of Door County, there's some great stories to be told there. And we just want to be able to tell those stories. And so this is a way just to kind of get Horseshoe Bay Farms on the map and, and get it you know, into in top of mind for people to know that there's more to come. And, and you know, we're going to be doing some work to restore some of those buildings and, and have more activity on the site. But it just seems like it's such a, you know, it's such a part of our culture up here. And it's kind of a civic landmark. It's it, it makes sense for us to be able to preserve it and, and share it with other people. And, and this is going to be kind of, you know, it, it, maybe it's a little bit of a way to kick off 
this new life for Horseshoe Bay Farms sure. that was formed through the master plan that we didn't get to have that, you know, that big <laughs> kickoff. So, you know, this, this will kind of serve as that. Well, and part of some of the ideas from that master plan are out of your control, but one of those that I'm really excited about, hopefully coming to fruition one day is that path between Horseshoe Bay Farms down to Murphy Park and back connecting it to the, the village of Egg Harbor. So this is my shameless plug to say to the properties in between the village of Egg Harbor <laughs> and Horseshoe Bay Farms. Let's make that happen. Village of Egg Harbor, town of Egg Harbor, make it happen. I know yeah. the county board has, or the county parks department has at one point was leading that. I don't know where that's at now, but yeah, it, it's kind of fallen off the map, but it's still kind of buried on, on some desks. And I'll tell you the the property owners seem to have all bought in. I think we're really close with that. You know, I, I, at this point, we need a champion just to kind of revive that yeah. project. And and if it comes to fruition, I mean, to me, and, and this is something that Ryan Heiss had pitched me uh, yeah. us on early on was like, this could be an example for the rest of our county of how you can connect things, not just with vehicles. Right. You know, if, if you could ride a bike or, you know, walk or run or, you know, whatever from Murphy Park up to the village of Egg Harbor, right along the Niagara escarpment and, and with views of, of the bay. I mean, boy, that's, that's world-class. So I'm going to use a shameless plug here. Our sustainability issue is coming out in a couple of weeks. And what we're looking at for that issue is those connections and non-vehicle connections mm-hmm. throughout the County. And you look at Traverse city, Michigan, that area, they have a 27 mile off-road paved bike path. Right. And my wife and I have done it. It's amazing. And Traverse City, that that peninsula is very similar to Door County, small towns with a major hub, Traverse City being like their version of Sturgeon Bay. And, you know, there's a there's a pretty it's not that crazy of a roadmap to do something similar in Door County. Yeah. And this would be a part of that. Sister Bay has, you know, a one mile stretch. I know Peninsula State Park and Eric Hyde are now looking at mm-hmm. potentially doing some sort of off-road thing parallel to 42 to connect Ephraim to, to, to the town of Gibraltar. Something like that, if, if 10 years from now we were looking back and we, we had made some progress on that, I think that would be one of the, the greatest things that the community could look back on. Yeah. So that's my shameless plug for yeah, getting that I, path done. <laughs> I'll, I'll also plug that one. I, I love that idea. I think, you know, my parents are up in northern Wisconsin and think it's Vilas County has something similar. It was, but it was, it, they utilized that old rails to trails program. Yeah. Unfortunately, we don't we really don't, have, don't have the rail, any rail other than Anapi, but right. Um, right. Yeah. And which is that, which is why we have that. Um, but, and that's what I'll always say to people is we tend to think that we are way ahead on, on those, like we're a great biking community and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I put on bike events and I'll tell you, like, we are not. No, and, no. um, there's some great progress being made in the past in Peninsula State Park. And mm-hmm. I think Eric Hyde is doing some great work there and, and the volunteer organizations there. But you go to a lot of other destinations and, and they are places that aren't even the kind of tourist destinations we are have really great pedestrian and, and bicycle infrastructure. Yeah. And we just yeah. don't have that. No, no, we don't. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I ride my bike quite a bit. <laughs> I put on some some pretty heavy miles and there's, you know, you, you see these little road projects that pop up, you know, repaving A or, or and you just always hope that you're going to get an extra foot or so. Yep. But it, it's really everything in, about Door County sets up to be a, a mecca for road cycling. Except yeah. for, I wish there was more elevation. I like to, I like, yeah. I like gaining some elevation, but beyond that, yeah, it's, it's great. You, you can do a, hill repeats in Ellison Bay. <laughs> tr- trust me. I have found a couple routes that just get you, you know, to go uphill everything. Well, and unfortunately we have a countywide bike plan that outlines right. a lot of this. It was completed and approved in 2014, but for the most part, 
our county highway department and our towns and villages have just not really taken that into account when doing planning. And yeah. now, now they're saying we have too much traffic. Like, well, we haven't done anything to help st- steward anywhere, right. anybody to places without being in a car. Right. So as long as you're just saying, hey, car is the only way we want you to get anywhere, then you're going to have more car traffic. Right. Yeah. Anyway, I didn't mean to take us way down this segue, but (laughs) I I get on a high horse here. Yeah. But Andrew, thanks for joining us on the podcast and talking about all this and kind of filling us in on what's new at the Ridges. Uh, I encourage any any of our listeners who haven't ever been to the Ridges, go check it out. And then Andrew, I hope you're you're doing your training for winter broomball. I am. Oh, yeah, (laughs) I I have been. All right. Thanks a lot. Yep. Thank you, Miles. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.